TED Audio Collective. What are some of the random foods that you never ate before, but somehow started eating in the last 10 years? For me, it's Brussels sprouts. I never used to eat Brussels sprouts, and now I love them. Crispy Brussels sprouts with a drizzle of balsamic tossed with lemon. Mm. And I know some of you like them with bacon. No, thank you. But I do like them with dried cherries. I eat Brussels sprouts all the time. And one of the main reasons is that they're everywhere. It's hard to find a happy hour or a brunch menu that doesn't have Brussels sprouts these days, which is a big change from the reputation this vegetable had a decade ago. So what changed? How is it that some foods become mainstream while others don't? I'm Madhu Bakanola. This is TED Business. Our speaker today is Zoe Carl Waitaka. She's an agricultural development expert who advises companies throughout Africa on their strategy and operations. In this talk, she shares how the way we market food, making things like Brussels sprouts attractive, may also positively impact the producers of these foods. Then after the talk, I'll highlight an example of how organizations can support farmers in Africa and potentially other places in the world. But first, a quick break. Welcome to the Canva guided meditation for stress at work. Impending deadline? Generate Canva presentations in seconds. So fast. Brainstorm got too big? Summarize with AI in a click. Click, click, click. Writer's block? Release with Canva Magic Write. Magical. Stress less and save time at canva.com. Designed for work. This show is brought to you by Schwab. With Schwab Investing Themes, it's easy to invest in ideas you believe in, like artificial intelligence, big data, robotic revolution, and more. Choose from over 40 themes. Buy as is or customize the stocks in a theme to fit your goals. Learn more at schwab.com slash thematic investing. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company & Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Add a little curiosity into your routine with TED Talks Daily, the podcast that brings you a new TED Talk every weekday. In less than 15 minutes a day, you'll go beyond the headlines and learn about the big ideas shaping your future. Coming up, how AI will change the way we communicate, how to be a better leader, and more. Listen to TED Talks Daily wherever you get your podcasts. Avocados. Americans love them. For what other food would you pay $15 to have someone bring it to your table and mash it up in front of you? There's probably a hipster in Brooklyn right now ordering a $15 avocado toast as we speak. And that's on the cheap side. Give me like $25. I mean, that's insanity, honestly. So I have a question. 
Why would people pay seemingly absurd prices for something so simple? Marketing. There was probably a time in the U.S. when you couldn't pay people to eat avocados, and actually, they were known as alligator pears. And then something changed. In the 1990s, there was a Super Bowl marketing campaign where NFL players shared their favorite guacamole recipes. With the help of this, over time, avocados went from a relative obscurity in the U.S. to one of the most consumed fruits. Now, what's interesting about this is who was behind the campaign? Californian avocado farmers. They had a product. They funded a highly visible and successful marketing campaign, put money in their pockets, and ultimately changed the way people eat. So, today I want to talk to you about how marketing can be a catalyst to improve the livelihoods of farmers, but not in the U.S. in Africa, and how the development community—and by that I mean NGOs, philanthropists, and international development agencies—can use marketing to positively impact society, the economy. And the environment. So I am South African and American. I have lived and worked throughout Africa with a professional focus on food and agriculture,、um, and I've had the opportunity to study lots of development programs、uh, and even work on some myself. And and through that, I have met farmers, spoken to them, and some of them have said, "I have a product, but I don't have a market in which to sell it," or "I have a market, but it's too small." So I want to talk about how to change that. Now, just a reminder: Africa is a continent, not a country. And in Sub-Saharan Africa, agriculture makes up a large part of the economy. It makes up 20% of GDP, about 60% of employment, and many of the people in agriculture are smallholders. So they live on less than two hectares of land and have very small incomes that put them at or below the poverty line. For decades, the development community has been trying to change this. Primarily with a supply-side focus of working with farmers, giving them access to seeds and fertilizers,、uh, showing them how to improve their productivity so that they could grow more, have more to sell and eat, and ultimately increase their incomes, which is the end goal. Billions of dollars have been spent on this, and unfortunately, today, many African farmers are still poor. So, why is that? Well. Farmers are part of the equation; they supply food. But obviously, we know the other part of the equation is demand. They need to have demand for the goods that they're growing. And it's true that the international development community is increasingly linking farmers to markets so that they have places to sell what they grow, and that's good. But they need to go a step further by proactively helping to shape and grow markets for goods grown by African farmers. So, in other words, in addition to sending seeds and fertilizer. They need to send them advertising geniuses. So I'm going to、um, share a couple of examples of the type of impact marketing can have, and I'm going to refer to the U.S. a lot,、um, and that's because the U.S. knows how to do this really well. What's very interesting about、uh, dairy in the U.S. is that、uh, companies don't leave it up to individual businesses to market their brands. They actually work together as an industry to promote milk drinking. And they do this by, you know, many companies contributing contributing to a common fund that goes towards campaigns like this. Now they have a little help from government also.、Uh, how many of you went to school and got milk on your tray? In many instances, that milk was subsidized. And actually, the National School Lunch Program dates back to the 1940s, and it's still ongoing today. 
you go to school, you taste something, uh, it's at a good price, so you keep getting it, you like it, maybe you start eating more of it, uh, you purchase at home, stock your fridge. Does that sound anything like product promotion and sampling? Importantly, what this does is it creates a whole category of consumers, and it gives farmers a constant market in which to sell what they grow, and that's actually really important, right? You can't create a product if you don't know that there's going to be constant demand for it in the market. Now, this combination of industry marketing plus government support is quite powerful. So powerful, in fact, that the United States has one of the highest rates of consumption of dairy in the world. 653 pounds of dairy per person per year. Try to imagine that. That's a lot, right? Now, this has actually been done outside of the U.S. too. In Kenya, in the 1980s, under former President Moy, there was a national school milk program, dubbed Nyayo Milk, and many Kenyan children went to school and received packets of milk. So it became a lot more part of the local diet.、Um, and as they grew up, they continued to consume it.、Uh, and today, Kenya has the highest、uh, rate of consumption of dairy in East Africa, and it's got a much more developed dairy industry than its regional neighbors. Now, both of those examples are about marketing to domestic consumers, but you're probably thinking, well, what about, you know, in countries where there's lower purchasing power? You can use marketing to create demand beyond borders as well. If you've ever watched the Super Bowl, and I never thought I'd talk so much about the Super Bowl because I kind of don't watch it, <laughs> but if you if you have ever watched the Super Bowl and you've heard this jingle. Avocados from Mexico, and you kind of have to have to dance when you sing it because it's just so catchy. Honestly,、um, if you've heard that jingle, then you've been marketed to by the Mexican avocado industry. Mexico exports 2.5 billion dollars worth of avocados to the U.S. every year. That's obviously a lot of avocados and a lot of money going to Mexican avocado farmers. And Kenya exports avocados too, but not that much. So you know, this is all about how they can do that. Now I've talked about milk, avocados, but how many of you eat kale or pomegranate or blueberries because you've heard that they're superfoods packed full of antioxidants? That's marketing. So how do we take these examples that I've talked about and use them to improve the livelihoods of farmers? Three things. First, development community. Increase funding for demand in addition to supply. So in addition to funding farmers. To grow food, donors need to fund world-class marketing campaigns that help farmers to sell food. This should be done at local, regional, and international levels, helping to promote the foods grown by African farmers and create trade within Africa, but also outside African borders, with consumers in wealthy, wealthier countries. Second, governments use your budgets to ensure constant pools of demand. As one of the largest procurers for schools, hospitals, and other government facilities, governments can use their budgets to ensure that farmers have constant marketplaces in which to sell what they grow. It can be done, as we've seen in Kenya. And then third, farmers work together to support your common interests by jointly funding marketing campaigns through industry bodies and cooperatives. Farmers can promote what they grow, put money in their pockets, and ultimately. Change their lives, which is the end goal. Warning, big warning, in case anyone was <laughs> losing me.、Um, marketing can be a force for good, but 
it can go too far, especially if it's used to promote foods that are full of fat, salt, and sugar. So what if, in addition to everything I've said, we not only use marketing to promote foods grown by African farmers, but we use it to promote foods that are more nutritious and also better for the environment. If we do that, then we've got the triple play of agriculture development. In increased farmer livelihoods, more nutritious foods for consumers, and more sustainable agriculture. So I'll give one last example using rice. Rice is a staple crop, and in many countries it is consumed as a large part of diets. However, white rice in particular is low in nutrients, it takes lots of water to grow, and current techniques for growing rice are contributing to a lot of greenhouse gas emissions. So what if we replace rice with millet? Millet is a grain just like rice. Uh, it is rich in fiber and antioxidants. It has more calcium than milk per serving. It takes 70% less water to grow, and it is drought and pest resistant, which is increasingly important in today's world. Sounds like a good alternative, right? Well, there are lots of other foods like this that are both more nutritious and more sustainable for the environment, such as pumpkin leaves, sweet potatoes, lentils, moringa, and many others. So we need to promote these foods, uh, develop tasty and affordable recipes with them, and importantly, get celebrity chefs on board. Because at the end of the day, people need to want to eat these foods, not be told they have to. So I'll leave you with this. Africa is still relatively early in its development trajectory versus other markets, and it has the opportunity to do things differently and better. By using marketing and a demand-led approach, Africa can boost economic growth, reduce incidences of diet-related diseases, and adapt to the challenges of climate change. Got millet? Support for TED Business comes from Odoo. If you feel like you're wasting time and money with your current business software or just want to know what you could be missing, then you need to join the millions of other users who switched to Odoo. Odoo is the affordable all-in-one management software with a library of fully integrated business applications that help you get more done in less time for a fraction of the price. To learn more, visit odoo.com slash tedbusiness. That's O-D-O-O dot -O com slash tedbusiness. Odoo, modern management made simple. This show is brought to you by Schwab. You're here because you like to keep a pulse on trends in technology. Well, now you can invest in what's trending in artificial intelligence, big data, robotic revolution, and more with Schwab Investing Themes. It's an easy way to invest in ideas you believe in. Schwab's research process uncovers emerging trends. Then their technology curates relevant stocks into themes. Choose from over 40 themes. Buy all the stocks in a theme as is or customize to better fit your investing goals. All in a few clicks. Schwab Investing Themes is not intended to be investment advice or a recommendation of any stock or investment strategy. Learn more at schwab.com slash thematic investing. 
Zoe's talk got me thinking about the importance of farmers in our day-to-day lives. I mean, so much of our food comes from their hard work, but it can be a grueling life, and they often go without the support they need and deserve. So how can we as individuals and organizations help farmers and their communities? One thing we have more access to these days are farmers markets. Let's be more thoughtful about using them as a way to support farms directly. And what can we do as organizations? My church serves as a good example. It has always had a connection to Ethiopia. Even its name, the Abyssinian Baptist Church, came from the founder's affection for the country. Back in around 2007, the church visited Ethiopia to commemorate its 200th anniversary. My pastor was so inspired by the rich history, culture, and resilience of the people he met there that he wanted to help. He decided to help farmers. Do you know, Ethiopia is widely considered to be the birthplace of coffee, and there are a lot of coffee farmers in the country. So the church created the Abyssinian Fund and joined forces with a co-op of 700 coffee farmers in Harar with the idea that improving the quality of farmers' coffee beans would also help them improve the quality of their lives. The nonprofit offered training and equipment to help co-op farmers produce higher quality coffee beans, the type that would be competitive in the international coffee market. As quality increases, so does income, and that income could be put into development projects like building schools and fixing roads. Even though the Abyssinian Fund closed their doors in 2021, so much progress was made, and I think there's a lot we can learn from this model. Their approach was based on the idea of investing in a community that could then reinvest in itself. In fact, there were agreements with partner communities that at least 10% of their profits would go towards supporting programs in healthcare, education, and water sanitation. So just as Zoe highlights that marketing is one way to uplift farmers in developing economies, companies can play a role too by sharing skills, training, and technology that we may take for granted. These resources can go a long way in improving the lives of farmers and so many others across the globe. That's it for today. This episode was produced by Transmitter Media with help from Jordan Bailey and fact-checked by Matias Salas. Special thanks to Anna Phelan, Michelle Quint, Corey Hagem, and Colin Helms. I'm Madhu Akinola. Talk to you again next week.